Hello and welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tuscan Chad Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series, Deep Space Nine. With me, as always, is Peter Dancy. How are you, Peter? I'm pretty good. Uh, I just had two monster tacos from Jack of Butts because I'm home from work and I'm starving. And then after we record this, I'm going to have some... Uh, some some salmon and bok choy that my that my mom made because she is awesome so i have so this this podcast recording is going to be bookend bookended by food and it's that's a great day for me (laughs) and with us as well as sarah becker how are you sarah i am very well I, i went to the last uh texas rangers game of the season today which again will date us this podcast but that happens sometimes mm-hmm. dear listeners and uh we lost but it was still a fun game and then good. i hung out with my girlfriend and we were very gay and all was good <laughs> yeah. yes. well it should be and i binged uh, in about a day and a half the entirety of the show the good place what are you doing? oh wow and uh that show rules everyone should watch that show it's one of the best comedies that no one's talking about uh it's goddamn brilliant and sadly <laughs> Uh, the main character reminds me of myself too much, which you'll understand when you watch oh. that show. It's probably not a good thing. All right. This week, we are talking about Season 5, Episode 21, and Episode 22, which are Soldiers of the Empire and Children of Time. Which, again, still sounds like Doctor Who serials. All right. But first yeah. up is Soldiers of the... Uh, first up is Soldiers of the Empire. Worf and Martok have become pretty chummy lately, meaning they've mostly been beating the crap out of each other. Martok tells Worf that he's been given his first mission from the Klingon High Council since his escape from Dominion Prison, and to lead the ship the Rataran to find the ship the Moth and rescue any survivors. He asks Worf to join him as his first officer. Sisko lets Worf go, but Dax sure doesn't, because being on a Klingon ship should be fun. Uh, unfortunately, like a college comedy, Worf, Dax, and Martok soon realize they've been assigned the Loser Ship, which has faced numerous defeats and can't even get excited by the Warriors Anthem. It's so cool, how could you not be excited? Dax integrates herself, uh, Dax integrates herself how I do, by getting everyone stupidly drunk. But sadly, there are poor, Saudi, pouty, sad drunks who think the ship is cursed. During their drinking, they are brought to the bridge by a Jem'Hadar patrol nearing them. Everyone sees an easy victory, but Martok refuses to engage, and Worf refuses to challenge him, causing tension aboard the crew. A fight breaks out in the mess hall over this decision, and Dax is forced to stun-shoot one of the crew. The ship manages to find the Bamoth, but Martok is convinced the ship is a trap set by the Jem'Hadar, and later, when it crosses over into Cardassian space, Martok decides to leave it. Worf has had enough and decides to challenge Martok. In the far east, Martok begins to feel like a Klingon again, so Worf lets him win by stabbing him. Worf is taken to sickbay by Dax, but not before he sees Martok charge at the Demidar ship with the crew roused by the opportunity. The Rataran manages to kill the Jem'Hadar and save 35 members of the Bamoth, allowing them to return home as heroes. Martok later talks with Worf, who admits he let Martok win in their duel. Martok notes that Worf still wears the insignia of the House of Mo, which is no longer a real house due to all the countless terrible shit that keeps happening to Worf. He offers Worf to join the House of Martok, to which Worf accepts. What do we think of Soldiers of the Empire? 
This episode maybe start, made me start to like wharf a little bit again, yeah. and also made me realize that I really want a spinoff series with this crew. Yes, I want. <laughs> if if yeah, you feel like there would be like a secret door pilot where uh, Dax like leaves the station and wharf as well, and they're all like, <laughs> "Let's go work yes. with this crew yep. again." And yeah, um, even if it was just a mini series, I would watch the crap out of that. Oh yeah, or like like webisodes if this was like two thousand. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was actually my first talking point. Was does this redeem Worf at all for you guys? Uh, uh, and it's certainly not it for me. To. Yeah, not completely, but like it. I think it redeems him as like just a Klingon. There, like not his entire yes. personality, not his whole person, but as a Klingon, it's like okay, this is good. Like he, like he is still a Klingon who realizes what is important to a Klingon what it takes to motivate a Klingon, what it takes to get a group of his own people riled up to, like, do positive shit for themselves. Right, and it's another, it's a good episode because it's about Worf getting out of his own way, which is great. Yeah. yeah. He isn't the one who takes over the ship and yells at everybody. He's, like, more subtly being the therapist of the crew. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Klingon therapy yeah. involves getting stabbed, but, you know, it's... I mean, this is what you Klingon do. therapy. I mean, yeah, let's see. In, in the do. cultural context, context, it makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, unsurprisingly, this is an episode written by Ronald Moore, who is, like, the Klingon uh, champion of the uh, original TNG and Deep Space Nine runs. And man, that guy knows Klingons. He knows how to write them so well. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a line that actually reminded us of our, our talk about Discovery, um, please check out our show on Star Trek Discovery, although the show's probably over by that point. Um, but hey, listen to our backlogs. Um, uh, where we talked about sort of the redesigned Klingons and listeners uh, at this current timeline, we've only seen the first two episodes, so who knows what they've become in the show since. But we sort of mm-hmm. talked about how we were frustrated they all seem like one kind of thing. In this episode, they actually one point out, like, not all Klingons are the same. There are, like, cowardly Klingons, and there are, like devious Klingons, there are greedy Klingons, and that's what the show is great at. There's just like a yeah. great sense of camaraderie, yeah. and every single Klingon in this episode felt fully fleshed out to me. Absolutely. One that one I wanted to mention, just for nerdy sake, uh, Kornan, Kor- Kornan, who's the Klingon with like the beard and the sort of bigger eyes, uh-huh. uh, he was uh, model number four Cylon from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, oh wow, dude. Might- as soon as I saw his voice in his eyes, I was like, I know you. Do I know you. <laughs> and then I was Googling, and I was like, aha, of course. Yes. Because those, those those particular like early model Cylons, the ones that aren't like revealed later on, they show up a lot in that show. Mm. So mm-hmm. they definitely mm-hmm. get a lot of those character actors. So what are your thoughts on Dax in this episode? I, I've said it before, and if it happens again, I'll say it again. I love Dax hanging out with Klingons. So cool. And she, clearly she loves hanging out with Klingons, too. because she's cause Yes. They, because she knows exactly how to get right to them. She's, how they're just like, oh, we haven't had blood wine. She's like, well, then it's too bad that I bought some barrels from the space station. Hmm. <laughs> it's like, good job, Dax, knowing, knowing exactly uh. how to start a party. Well, in that entire sequence, she, like, comes in, sees someone sitting in her seat. She throws him off and, like, is a total fucking hot God, that was hot. Oh, yeah, that was so good. And she's, like, wearing... Sorry to sexualize her for a second, but it's just going to happen. She's wearing, like, maybe the tightest clothes she's ever worn on the show because, like, her waist is, like... Oh, my God. Impressive. Um, But she is great 
in that sequence because she starts off just beating the shit out of a Klingon and then ends with I brought blood wine for everybody. Blood wine for you everyone. Know. Yeah. It's like, I know I'm it's a like hard ass. It's like the perfect ass. Klingon move. Yes. It's like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like, I'm the badass aunt, but I'm the fun badass aunt. And you're just like, what? Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I didn't have much plot. This is just a lot of like, uh, probably one of my shorter synopsis. I was going to say, like, just, just looking um, at the, the synopsis that you shared with us, Ben, this looks like the shortest synopsis we've ever had yeah, on the it, show. But you covered everything. Yeah, you really did. Yeah, it's just it's I think, a lot of just interpersonal conflict. Exactly. And, and that, that, I think that's one of the things that I liked about it. I mean, I, I always enjoy shows that focus more on characters than on plot. Um, or, or at least, you know, the, the characters are at least as important as the plot. And uh, as you say, that most of this was just, you know, interactions between the characters and, you know, learning about these Klingons, even though, you know, we, we may not see this ship again. But um, again, that, I think that's another thing that made me feel like I wanted to spin off series with them. It's like, we're actually like, you know, I feel like we're starting to get to know these characters pretty well. This seems kind of deep for like a one off. No, absolutely. I think both episodes did a mm-hmm. really good job of like humanizing small parts. Uh, yes. This one in particular, like every single crew member you know by the end of this episode. And you're absolutely right, Sarah. It's like, is this going to be a show? <laughs> because it almost yeah. feels like, like it a, be. a show, like, a, oh, we're going to follow this one Klingon vessel that's the worst Klingon vessel as they become probably the best. And mm-hmm. their redemption story and the rags to riches. And like, it just feels like a classic sort of. Uh, even though it's not quite a Star Trek show, it feels like a classic setup for a show of some kind. Yeah. It's like Firefly, but with Klingons is kind of what I'm picturing. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, now I want a Klingon version of Can't Take This Guy From Me. Oh my God. Someone, <laughs> listeners, please, if any of you know Klingon well enough to do this, please <laughs> write Can't Take This Guy From Me in Klingon. <laughs> We will give you all the praise. <laughs> yes. Or just just do an artwork of these people in the, the Firefly, you know, mm, outfits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And please make uh, Dax and Nara, just for my sake. Oh, man. That's all I ask. <laughs> As Worf leads them all in Klingon space shanties. Mm. Oh, I know. That was so I have good. A, um, I have a problem. And that problem is I have an unnatural love of sea shanties. <laughs> I fail to see how this is a problem. Yeah. I don't know if it's a problem. I feel like 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 ninety percent of the reason I love the game Assassin's Creed Black Flag is you can like find more sea shanties and then just ride on the seas and listen to sea yes. shanties. Oh, that is true. Yeah, you can like you find them in like random places and then they just kind of become like part of what your crew just like will at the most strangest times or sometimes really opportune times to just start singing. You're like, this is good. That's awesome. It's so good. And uh, I was just playing Fallout and the character was singing like old Irish songs. And I was like, you're my favorite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> every time I come by, he's like singing Molly Malone or uh, yes! wait, 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 which, Rover. Wait, 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 which character, which NPC was it? Which character was it? It was in the DLC Far Harbor and it's uh, the character Old Longfellow. Oh, like, uh, okay. Another one. Yeah. Yeah, like whenever we go to his cabin, he's just like being like, "I played the Wild Rover." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." My Irish musical. I'll do it one day. I promise. Yes. 
Um, but yes, yeah, so Klingon sea shanties is like yes. my favorite thing in the world. That's what I'm. I, I agree. I have it in in all caps in my notes. Yes, Klingon space shanties. <laughs> if only there were more sea shanty. I feel like O'Brien should know some drinking songs, right? Oh, he has yeah. to know some drinking. He's songs. Irish. He has to. He literally right? has to. That's a stereotype. I'm sorry. Though there is that one TNG episode where Picard gets replaced by like a, a duplicate, one of the many <laughs> Picard gets replaced by a duplicate episodes, mm-hmm. but he leads the entire crew in a, a Starfleet drinking song, which is great. Oh, I need to go back and find that one. Yeah, I do not. That episode is that. hilarious because it's like about, like the funny thing is that alternate Picard is way more fun. <laughs> like he's just like a lot more likable and like he seduces Beverly and he's like just a chill, like confident <laughs> dude. Mm-hmm. And so when he and so when he comes back, everyone's like, "I kind of like the old one." Aww, <laughs> like, poor Jean Luc. It's like, okay, the yeah, sub is gone. Jean-Luc. The real teacher is back. Aww. I mean, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, I, no. What do you I, think about Martok in this episode? Because he's sort of the the main uh, character arc mm-hmm. for the whole thing. I liked. Like, the, do you think I liked that sorry. that that in this episode he wasn't like, like even though he was totally willing to take the mission, he wasn't like immediately right back in the game like they they had to show him like they had to show him as you know in klingon terms weak and like really hesitant you know where where, where, whereas for say like a human you know having that bit of caution would make absolute sense because it's like you know it very well could have been a trap but as a klingon it's like he's not quite all there yet and i i appreciated that that that, you know they gave us that aspect of they gave it they gave us that aspect of someone who's been and who's been in a prison camp for two years. It's like, mm-hmm. he's not hes not exactly going to be sure of himself the second you give him a mission. Especially right, a mission that, that, you know, has to do with the people who imprisoned him. Yeah, exactly. He'll, for sure, and I think he still holds a lot of, even though it's not his fault, he holds the blame of, of what the, the, the changeling Martok did for starting the Klingon War and everything, and I feel like he might still feel like he's a failure for that. At least as a Klingon sense of morality, you know, mm-hmm. and so I think he's overly cautious at the beginning for that reason, because he was like taken in by like a very simple thing, and I think his concern that the minion are everywhere and they've planned out every single thing because that's what they do uh, is somewhat valid. That um, that's how the Dominion works. They love to just not fire a shot and then capture everyone and you know solve everything immediately. So I can see why he's so concerned with traps and everything must be not what it seems. And even though he himself knows, like, well, you just got to fucking shoot some Jem'Hadar for these people. Like, they just need that. They just need that release. Yeah, that one moment. Exhausted. Uh, on the on the note of Klingon morality, I guess, I, um, I, I took down a, a quote that really sort of hit me kind of hard. Uh, one of the, I, I don't remember which Klingons said these things, but one, one of them says they, in reference to the Jem'Hadar, they have no honor, which I'm still waiting yes. for Worf yeah. to say it, but this is the I second know. Klingon to say it. And I then um, someone responds to him. That's why they're better than us. Yeah. yeah. And I just thought that was really deep and like, oh shit. <laughs> like, a Klingon just suggested that honor makes them less good in battle. Like that's unheard of. Right, right. That's why I like the these sort of Klingon episodes where they do mm-hmm. evaluate themselves. You know what I mean? And that yeah, 
they are flawed in a lot of ways. Perhaps something the minion needs, you know. But I think we still see that a little bit with like the, there's been a lot of like Vorta and Jim Hadar mm-hmm. uh, fights over the years. So maybe that relationship is much more strained than they let on, you know. Oh yeah, you never let them see you sweat. Mm-hmm. But I agree, Sarah. That's great. Like, and, and it's something that brings up in a lot of like modern war. You know, when you deal with like people who are uh, unafraid of death or unafraid of doing terrible things, it's like, well, how do you fight that? You know? Yeah. Like, how do you yeah, fight pe- the Dominion who are yeah, pe- willing people- to infiltrate people and go behind your back and kill everyone without firing a shot? You know? Yeah, being beings who are so committed to their cause that they're just like, okay, like no holds barred, all in, all or nothing. It's it's that. I, I, you know what? You know what? Now, now, now that I now that I say it, and like going back to a comment, going back to us talking about Martok, that could also be one aspect of why he is just like why, why he was so afraid to act because he's like he knows that he is dealing with the group who do not care. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Who like trapped him in his sleep? You know, like a Klingon would never do that. A Klingon would never kidnap you in your sleep and replace you with a duplicate. You know. Yeah, a Klingon is gonna, gonna look you right in the face when they punch you. Exactly. They'll wake you up and give you a knife and then be like, ha fight me. You know? Yeah. They yes. never, uh... <laughs> they never stack the deck, you know, as it were. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then, as you point yeah. out, that might be their own downfall. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when Cork, kind of like when Cork almost died. It's like, it's, it's like he, 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 he won, he won by showing that the other, he won by showing that the other guy had, had no honor and just killing him outright. And it's like, and it's like, no, he's defenseless. Why would you do that? You're not a Klingon. Get the hell out. This is true. Well, is there anything else to say for uh, soldiers of the Empire? I, I'm glad. I'm glad that Worf is now like like officially part of part of a house. I'm ha- yes, I'm ha- Worf has a family. Nice. I'm yeah. very happy that he's part of the house of Mart- 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 Mortok. It's like yay, <laughs> yay. Again, I understand they make these episodes out of order. I know they can't care about the continuity, but literally the next episode. The descendant Klingons say that they're from the House of Mo. True, not from yeah. the House of Martok. And yeah, I was like, that that does happen. It was the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, right. Yeah. Fine, fine. Just let it go. Okay. Nineties mm-hmm. <laughs> show problems. Indeed. All right. Woo! Next up is Children of Time. Kira, Dax, O'Brien, Worf, Cisco, and Odo are traveling back from Star Trek shenanigans on the Defiant during some time, during some downtime. Words. During some downtime, Kira notes that she and Shikar have broken up, which visibly shakes Odo, to which Kira and Dax dismiss as general Odo uneasiness. But we know. They come across a planet with an energy barrier. They detect some life signs, and Dax wants to go down, despite the crew just wanting to go home. Noting the energy barrier will likely increase soon, this is their only chance to see the planet. When they enter the barrier, it knocks the ship out of commission, and they are stuck in low orbit. They are hailed by the inhabitants of the planet, and when Dax and Sisko go down, they are greeted by, well, Dax. Yidrin Dax, in fact, as as well as Miranda O'Brien, reveal they are many generations old descendants of the crew. They reveal that in a few days when the Defiant leaves, it hits an anomaly that causes it to go back in time 200 years and crash land on the planet. With no way to escape, the 48-person crew began a life on the planet that results in the colony, which is now over 8,000 people. The inhabitants, especially Yidrin Dax, reveal they know enough to prove they are who they say they are. 
In this timeline, Jadzia and Worf got married, and eventually Miles married Rita and Ensign on board. However, Yidrin also reveals that when the crew went through the barrier, Kira's neural pathways were damaged. While it could easily be fixed on DS9, the Defiant was not advanced enough to save her, and Kira died. Worf notes that if they leave the planet and avoid the anomaly this time, they will escape, but the 8,000 people will cease to exist. Yidrin, however, has a plan, noting that if they make some adjustments and hit the anomaly just right, it would create two duplicate defiance, with one crashing and the other making it home. And if you think that's a fucked up moral quandary, just wait! Meanwhile, Kira is met by a very aged Odo, who has a more human face and has spent the last 200 years on the planet, the only living soul left from the time-traveling defiant. If you don't count Dex. Odo, filled with regret, tells Kira the truth, that she was always the love of his life, and he never had the ability to tell her. In his timeline, Kira died weeks after she was... In his timeline, Kira died weeks after the crash landing, and Odo never got the chance to explain his true feelings. He urges Kira to talk to the real young Odo and bring out his true feelings. Of the other crew, Worf meets his Klingon descendants. Bashir learns he's a bit of a major figure in their history, and Miles is mostly uncomfortable with the whole thing. However, Jadzia discovers some troubling news. Yidrin faked the reports and that there is no way there will be a duplicate ship, and they will be the ones to go back in time and stuck on the planet. They confront Yidrin, who admits it, but notes their leaving will kill 8,000 people, and he urges Sisko to look around and understand what he would be doing. Kira goes to her own grave and, and decides that despite it meaning her infinite death, she can't let the colonists be blinked out of existence. Kira convinces many of the crew, but Sisko and especially Miles do not want to leave their families. As they walk through the settlement for the last time, they discover it is planting day, and despite many colonists resigned to death, they decide to spend their last day together. The crew helps out, and Worf, who previously offered to give the Klingons a noble death, encourages them, them to help plant as well. Miles encounters a descendant of his, and after working with her, opens up his heart and agrees they can't let them die. Sisko agrees, and they decide to go through the anomaly. Yidrin gives them exact instructions on how to recreate it, and they do so. They send out a probe with their message to their families, and grimly head towards the anomaly. However, as they approach, their course shifts without their planning. They miss the anomaly, escape the energy barrier, and discover the entire colony has now been blinked out of existence. Sisko notes that the only people who could have done it was the crew, and they theorize it was Yidrin Dax, though Jadzia knows all he cared about was the settlement. Odo meets with Kira, who reveals alternate Odo linked with him. He learned that Alt-Odo told him about his confession of love, and Odo admits he had given up on Kira until that moment when he heard she and Shakar were over. However, he is also, sadly, has to inform her that he learned it was Alt-Odo who changed the flight plan because he wanted to let Kira live. Kira asks if that makes it right, and Odo says he doesn't know and leaves her to her shock and horror. What do we think of the Children of Time? Confusion and feelings. Oh my god, this was nuts. This was Where do we nuts. Start? Okay, where um, do we start? Okay, uh, I so where, where where I want to start is a is is a completely non-serious um thing, but I just want to get this out of the way right now. So 
the thing that they put Odo Prime in, you know, since he, because of like the atmosphere and stuff, they dressed up a fucking bread maker. I don't know if y'all, I don't know if y'all caught that. Go back and watch it. But like, if if like if it if I'm judging it right, they dressed up a bread maker and just put lights and stuff on it to make it look high tech. And I was just like, because because right when they were closing, I was just like, my mom used to have one of those. I fucking love when shows do that. I fucking yes. love when shows do that. Remember those lights that would like go over a book that you could click open? And they were like kind of like a, they had like sort of a raised edge. Oh yeah, board. yeah, 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 yeah. So many things. Mm-hmm. The other two I love are, um, in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Uh, Liam Neeson is talking on a communicator. Uh, it's a female Norelco shaver. <laughs> That they just oh, put like a panel on, but it is literally the shaver. <laughs> it's like an electric razor. Oh, that's so great! And the other one, the other one I love is uh, very famously uh, in the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, there's a character who's become famous uh, in internet culture for being a tiny minor character. I can't remember his name right now, um, but he is notably carrying what is very clearly just an ice cream maker. Yeah. He's just clearly just an ice cream maker, and he's running in the background on Cloud City, and he's become sort of a famous character, and people cosplay him, and it's quite nerdy and adorable. Awesome. Oh, that sounds, no, that so, sounds amazing. Great find, Peter, because I love shit like that, so mm-hmm. I am going to find yeah. it, and hopefully I'll take a picture of it. Uh, sorry, Peter <laughs> Ben. I'm giving you work. Um, oh, okay. No, yeah. Will, Will, Will Rowe Hood. That was Will Rowe Hood. That's the one. Will oh, Rowe. my God. I'm looking just at the go show right now. Go to Wikipedia and look up Will Rowe Hood. He's uh, the, yeah, I'm looking at the picture right now. And, oh, my God. That is clearly an ice cream maker. That is brilliant. <laughs> I love I it up. so much. That's perfect. <laughs> that makes me so happy. <laughs> uh, anyway. Oh, yes. So, yeah, this was... Uh... This is an interesting episode. It reminded me a lot of the TNG episodes because TNG was very, very into the moral questions. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. you've got your, you know, your data on trial. Is he a human? Is he a robot? You know, we've got that episode where the people are going to be destroyed by the volcanoes and he let them die because the Prime Directive says so. You right. know, that was the, it's a very TNG thing where we go to a planet and shits happened and it's kind of our fault because we're here. You know, and then what do we do with those consequences? Right. Um, I don't know if the ending is very TNG. That's where it feels more DS9. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, that's DS9. It's totally DS9. I feel like somehow TNG would find a way around it, you know? To make Um, it happy and like, okay, everyone's... Oh, they're all dead. Yeah, like TNG would find a way to be like, okay, everyone's okay with this decision, but not not, not DS9. Not DS9. In TNG, the duplicate ship plan would have actually worked. That would have actually happened. That would just be the end of it. And they would would have watched it fly and be like, there it is. Okay, cool, cool. Everyone, everything's fine. Right, right. Uh, I mean, this, today. This, this this episode brings up a lot of moral questions. Oh, my goodness. Can we just point out the fact that the initial plan brings up a lot of moral questions? Because that shit was reminding me of the prestige, which is like the whole, like, am I the man in the box or am I man in the prestige thing? Where it's mm. like, which person is going to be the one who goes down to the ship? Because presumably the duplicates are going to have the exact same memories and personalities and images and life as everybody who left that planet mm-hmm. you know they I, thought they were going home too you know uh, like, I, i'm just gonna say with that comment i am totally side-eyeing o'brien right now because oh. <laughs> the o'brien that we because i forgot i forget what episode like I, and even though we totally recorded one even though we totally recorded one for this but you know 
the O'Brien we know is not the O'Brien we started right. out with. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They love that in Star Trek. They love replacing people. <laughs> Duplicate people and breaking my brain. Replacing people, but not really. You're just like, stop it. Yeah. And then, then we get to the actual moral question, which is... That's a tough one. Yeah. It's a real tough one. There's something Odo said that I thought was really great, which he pointed out where he's like, uh, he's trying to convince Kira not to leave. This is alternate, older Odo. Right. Um, and uh, he says like, well, what you're going to... You could say, oh, well, if I leave... Um, these 8,000 people are going to exist. But what about all the people that would exist if you guys went back to the station? You know what I mean? Right. There are lineage of people. You would go back and this person would meet this person, have kids, and this person would have kids, but this person, you know, like, there are a whole different generation that you're completely changing because you're on this planet. So what makes this planet different from this one? And Kira's answer is, you know, these people already exist. But, and again, if you get into, like, a moral relativism thing, it's like, but both are in a state of flux right now because they don't exist it's schrodinger's people <laughs> like they exist and they don't exist based on what decisions you're going to make you know what yeah. I mean? so like in a sense they both exist and don't exist at the same time and it's just like fuck schrodinger's <laughs> colony it, it's a mind fuck schrodinger's a... colony absolutely not the exact same so don't give my shit science nerds i know but um it's essentially the same thing of like the actions you're going to create are going to change the entire course of these two groups. And so I liked Oda's point that it was like, you're, you're thinking of this group, but there is another group. Then you don't know them because they don't exist yet, but they will exist one day. Right. And they mm-hmm. won't by this decision. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. Well, let's talk about the, the big thing, which is the twist at the end. Where we see that Odo... Who changed he loves her so time. much right okay can i just say a couple okay. of times in in the in the last few episodes things have happened i'm like i don't really buy this because does isn't odo like in love with kira why would he like not care when this thing happens like doesn't he still still love her and all these things and he goes like no no i think he's over her he's not over her and then he, he loves her he does he the loves her more thing. than eight thousand people yeah. That he has been living with for 200 years. Yes. And yeah. just them. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, he lived with those people. He knows the people he's going to kill, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just blink out. And, like, and even, like, just on a cynical level, like, to assume that Kira will just forgive him for doing that. Oh, my right? God. Even yeah. if it is a different version of Odo. It is still Odo who did it, mm-hmm. you know. But now, but now this she's isn't like yelling now, at your partner because they were mean in a dream. Like this was a real person who yeah, did this. Like, but in, but instead of it being like alt future, well, alt future past. Yeah, alt. Yeah, I'm gonna call him that. Alt future past Odo. She's 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 still dealing with an Odo who was totally not ready for like just the big, like, just like the big load of just like boom, boom truth that he, that he, that, that, that the other one just laid on her. Like, by the way, Hey, I know, Hey, I know that like you technically saw me five minutes ago. This is my first time seeing you 200 years. I'm in love with you. And she's just like, wait, what? Huh? Huh? Yeah. Trust me. That one right there, that, that, that little glass tube right there. Same me that, that he's in love with you. I'm in love with you. It's blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, yeah, and how fucking DS9 is it that finally, finally Kira knows of what it feels. And she also learns that he, like, murdered 8,000 people. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, like, and the, and the sin so egregious that you would not begrudge her for not wanting to be with Odo at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and, now, and not, not only that, she and future past Odo kissed. Yeah. Yes. Right. They kissed. Right. 
It's true. Though, like, though also, Pastodo is going to blink out of existence, too. So, I mean, he knows that he is killing himself as well um, to let past Odo, you know, exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, he's... He's committed. <laughs> he's so... he's committed. One one might argue, but he went a little nuts. Yeah, I mean that's two hundred years of regret. Yes, just like you feel regret. We feel regret. I mean, for, here's the for thing: 80, 90 years tops. Yeah. You know, it's it's regret, and 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 I get that, but he I'm not saying it's right. People, I'm not saying it's right. This, this is makes it come good. On. Yeah, it's it's not great. <laughs> it's not great. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I could like they better make Odo and Kira end game at this point, or I don't buy it. Yeah, oh, you think they have to get this point? Matter. I don't know because then I feel like that's interesting too. You know that like Odo did this crazy thing to get them together. But it's so fucked up that it meant they will never be together. Yes. I mean? Yeah. Which yes. will also make sense, but that's why it's so interesting and cool and just f- ah, frustrating. Yeah. Well, what do you think of the actual inhabitants, in particular Yidrin Dax? You know, it's always interesting when we get a new Dax host for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. I thought that was neat. Yeah. What do you think of Yidrin in general? In general, I, I I mean I liked his commit I liked his commitment to his people. Like that is mm-hmm. very much something to be admired. And the the the, the treachery, yeah, not so much. But 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 how even after like you know how even after it was kind of like after clearly clearly all of the adults knew like okay this is gonna be a thing we're doing this right. Um, but 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 even even after he he was he was still like we should still do plant day because even though we're gonna like cease to exist even though we could potentially cease to exist in you know twenty four hours it's, st- it's still to have a sense of normalcy because he ca- because they care that much about like their community and just how they function and live yeah yeah man the entire crew. <laughs> The main crew of DS9 needs like three months of like therapy, psychiatric leave and therapy mm-hmm. and counseling after mm-hmm. this. Like, more, like it more. felt so bad for Worf that he wasn't able to like give the Klingons their noble death because he thought they were weren't leaving. Oh my god, you know? yeah. So he has to deal with that and like fucking O'Brien has to deal with like all the kids that aren't going to exist anymore. Yeah, all the Mollies for the name that was passed down for generations. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. That scene with him and his great, 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 great granddaughter was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I love the Cisco thing where he's where Molly's like, "You're not working." He's like, "Yes, an O'Brien." Yeah, I know. I know when I see him. <laughs> also, chubby baby Cisco was super cute. Okay, no, yes, that was a, that was Aww. adorable. That was that, that was, was everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is, this is an interesting episode because there's a lot to talk about, but there's also not a lot to talk about in a weird way because it's just like so. Oh, I guess in general, I'm curious what your thoughts on this episode because it hit me very hard. I think. Yeah. Um. I I guess I I wasn't. I mean, we we know that the crew or a version of the crew is going to get back to Deep Space Nine because there's two more seasons of the show. Right. Like that was not in question, but. 
I, I wasn't super surprised, I guess, that the whole, that whole colony ended up blinking out of existence. I was very surprised that it was Odo doing it to yeah. <laughs> save Kira. The things, yeah. Like I said, I thought I was doing a TNG thing, like we said, where it was like, there was a duplicate. It just happened. Right. Like, mm-hmm. miracle. yeah. We, 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 I mean, we, and, and like, I thought that was going to happen too, especially from the, co- especially from the comment that, uh, that I think, that I think Yedrin made at the, be- made at the beginning where, where, where like when they passed through like the whole like anomaly field or whatever, how, like, how, how for like a split second, there were two Kiras. And I was like, maybe there's a way. Right. Right. Yeah. I didn't really understand that. And they I never don't know really if that was a lie either or what. I yeah, I don't, actually yeah. that's a good question. I don't know. What, was it a lie or was it not? Did we ever see two cures on screen? I don't think we did. I don't think we did. I think it was I mean she sort of like does this weird like phasing in and out yeah. thing mm. for a second. But the thing is it says in the Netflix synopsis that like there are two Kiras and I know right. that was the weirdest part too, is I thought we were getting that old like Shatner episode where like there was like good, weak, wimpy Shatner right. and big crazy yeah. early id shatner you know that 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 fun episode um i thought we we're getting some version of that and instead it's like mm, let's talk about moral relativism for 45 minutes yeah, like, yeah. i I, th- I thought i thought instead i thought instead of it being like in any of the crew or any of or, or, or odo necessarily i th- i thought it was i thought it was going to be like 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 some weird cosmic like some weird cosmic spiritual spiritual hero who's like just been running around around who, running around mm. like and and she and 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 she and she was like no i it's like she's like yes you know like like bot like body like body kira is like totally down to die but spirit kira is totally here for self-preservation i thought that's what it was gonna be i don't know how they right. explained right. it at all but and then it's like no it's odo i was like oh wait hold on never mind yeah and that's another thing about this episode it's that like very interesting very very good moral questions and discussion and so forth but the premise was almost too out there for for it to be Mm. you know inside this realm of suspended disbelief interesting i i I bought it i don't know this episode really really Mm. worked for me it's one of my favorites of the season like it it's it's, I don't know. It just brings up a lot of very interesting questions. Even though it is very, like I said, TNG. Yeah. Uh, I, I, in, in that style. Yeah. I, I, like you know, why are we in this planet, and where are we going, and why is the entire crew of the space station? Right. Shouldn't somebody be back at the space station? Right. Yeah. Where's everybody on the Defiant? Like you know. Yeah, I, but, I, I think that's why I like this episode as weird as it is because it does answer like how it it, 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 it because it becomes like match game for Odo. It's like. Odo loves Kira. How much does he love her? And it's like we get that answer, and then like and then like Sarah said, we get forty like like y'all said like we get forty five minutes of was this the right thing to do? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and then of course in the next episode they're all going to be fine. Yeah, they're not even going to mention oh, yeah. it. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, yes, it will certainly come up, but it. I'm, I feel but like it won't. I don't think it'll be in the next like episode. The thing It'll be in the next back. season. Mm. Yeah, maybe next season. And I feel like Odo thing will come back. I think that might, I mean, there might be a line or two, you know, like. Yeah. You know. If there's any reference to it, it'll be between Odo and Kira. Oh, yeah, that's like, yes. that's what it, that's what matters most. I know, we gotta let the continuity go, but it's just, we're just, you know, we're millennials that grew up with The Wire, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ruined by television. It's not fair. 
<laughs> and Game of Thrones and just shows oh, that you man. can't. But that's the advantage of Star Trek, you know. Like, it's it's also why Deep Space Nine wasn't as well watched because a lot of people were like, "Oh, you gotta watch it in the beginning." And people were like, "Oh my god, it's fucking two hundred episodes." Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's why we started this podcast. <laughs> it all comes around. Yes. So now we have to go back in time and kill ourselves and start the podcast around. I'm sorry, kill ourselves? No. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm creating a whole new moral equation. Don't worry about it. We're going to make a real, we're going to get some real time travel shenanigans oh, going. We're going to get, is, really is, warp our brain on it Is all. the future, am, am I going to be met by like a future self who will, who will tell me, don't do this? <laughs> possibly. Possibly. Oh, God. I mean, that's always my favorite trope. Um, it's also funny too that like, time travel in star trek is so random like sometimes it's very hard and sometimes it's like star trek 4 we're like we got to go back in time i don't know go around the sun real fast all right great yeah. Yeah, back in time <laughs> oh, oh, oh great trials and tribulations done that's true they just kind of mm-hmm. just kind of shoehorned that, huh? it yeah that's right that's right yeah and and, and, yeah, and even and like even in going even going to like different dimensions too it's like it's, it's, in different dimensions too it's like it was like we're in the mirror dimension you're just like wait how do wait what huh yeah. Yeah, they do just jump to the mirror dimension very easily. Whereas like the last in TOS it's like a perfect storm of accidental, you know, who's a fudge. Right. Um mm-hmm. where in this one they're like, We got buttons that do it. <laughs> we, Push a button we, and it does it. We we're in the future as far as TOS is concerned. We figured out how to do this perfectly. Also, by the way, so did they, which is why they just pop over here and kidnap us. <laughs> Star Trek doesn't have the best science, let's be fair. But it does but it have some fun science. But it does have some interesting yes. science. It does. It's science fiction, you know. That's the idea. It's what 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 can we think about these questions? If you were, you know, this is a very this is why I like Simpson. It's very much a fucking philosophy essay question. <laughs> it is, you know, you know, I can see like a you are on a spaceship and you crash land and you find out everyone is your descendants. But to do that, you'll have to go back and you know exactly like it is that sort of question of. What is what is it? What is what is it all mean? Yeah. All right. I've broken my brain. Anything else to say for this episode? Uh, no, because I'm because my mind has exploded and I'm just yep. like, yeah. We are clearly, clearly, we need to throw this to some philosophy majors, and uh, just put it in the end of the episode or something. Or some or someone who is like I'm not gonna do. Or someone who Don't is like who is like more well versed and smarter in Star Trek lore and all of that than we are because you know we're in it but oh my god this is in it yeah yeah all right well next week we will be discussing season five episode 23 and episode 24 which are blaze of glory and empak nor as always i want to thank my lovely co-hosts for joining me every week on this journey our theme song is by captain meatshield you can check him out at cptn underscore meatshield our awesome artwork is by joe bowen we are the part of the tuscan shed media network you can see more of our shows at tuscanshed.com including live long and discover our podcast on the tv show star trek discovery if you like this show like subscribe rate and review it any way that you can it helps new listeners discover our show until next time, this is the crew of Geek Space Nine signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. <clears throat> Coming in in three, two, uh. one. <laughs>
That was a jack move right there. That was yes. great. All right, coming in. That's going at the end. That's going at the end now. You, cool. You've doomed yourself.